I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. I'm Mensa member and part-time hand model Becca Hudson. And this week I'm joined by Express.co.uk columnist and Northern Powerhouse Embodied. It's Paul Baldwin. Hello. Hello. We can call you PB2. <laughs> but not for much longer. Not for much longer. Yeah. Uh, incredibly uh, overpriced and uh, always late. <laughs> and not much used to anyone. Well, quite. Yeah. And our man in Brussels, Joe Barnes. Hello. 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 Uh, we've got just nine days until the 31st of January when Brexit's delivered uh, partially. Uh, but there's still lots of other stuff to talk about as well, isn't there? Jess Phillips, there House yeah. of Lords, and a delicious cake <laughs> that Paul Baldwin has brought in. Um, as promised last week, because I think there was a slight undertone in your tone that I was some sort of sexist dinosaur that didn't know one end was, of the kitchen was, from another. Yeah, it was <laughs> so, an undertone. That's what I thought. Well, you completely so, silenced me. Oh, thank you. Okay. Do you want to tell the listeners what you've brought in? Uh, me and my boy Jed, that's two boys, by the way, in the uh-huh. kitchen. I love it. While the two girls, we're doing mo- not very much watching TV, <laughs> uh, have made a Brexit cake, which we may well patent, because I think it could be um, quite big in a few days' time. And it's, uh, I'll stick a picture on the uh, on the website, but there is, it's half, it's a, it's a kind of confectionery metaphor for Brexit. Because it's half an EU flag and half a um, Union Jack. And there is a huge knife next to it, which is about to be applied to the two two halves. And it also um, is full of things that it shouldn't have in it because it was supposed to be a vegan cake. Not dissimilar to the WAB. (laughs) Can can I just say, I finished this cake at 10 past 1 a.m. this morning. Right. Well, thank you. And I did forget, Rebecca, that it was vegan vegan. nanuary or whatever it's called. (laughs) So, yes, okay. Sorry about that. Right, we need to talk about the WAB, don't we? We spoke about it a bit last night. So this is a withdrawal agreement bill, which is currently being, well, was being debated in the Lords. It was defeated five times, which is kind of unheard of, um, with the Lords kind of getting aggy about, well, insisting that EU citizens in this country got like paper documentation to prove that they're right to stay. Um, there was debates about the right of Parliament to, to be involved in the negotiation of the trade deal after January. And then there was a kind of most important thing, which was the Dubs Amendment, which is obviously the commitment that we that Theresa May had made about reuniting refugee children um, with their parents in this country. So it's, been, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting and kind of unusual that the Lords would be so agitated about a piece of legislation. Um, they've made these five amendments. It was, sorry, rather, it's been defeated five times. It comes back to the House of Commons to be defeated today. And I understand that probably the government's going to ignore all these suggestions and yeah. amendments and it will just pass as it was. Uh, it is expected to sail through uh, with no problems whatsoever. And they... Um, I mean, the House of Lords are entitled to their opinion, but increasingly they become they feel completely detached and a pointless Mm. um, legislative body or non-legislative body. Um, As we've we've done a few polls over the last months and uh, years on express.co.uk and the last one was yesterday or the day before and it was something like 89% will be happy to see the House of Lords be disbanded. Um, Wow. And and well, when you look at it, I mean, there's an argument for a second body, obviously. Um, as a check and balance on the on the main chamber, mm. but when you look at who's in there, there's about two actual crooks. 
Um, <laughs> oh my god! Oh. <laughs> no, that is. Uh, don't don't name them. Well, Jeffrey Archer. Is oh one my of god! Them. Stop it! <laughs> well, he's been to he's prison. Actually, actually, that makes him a crook. He's actually an incredible novelist. <laughs> he's a I great think. novelist. He's, got, he's, he's, he, he's like a latter day Dickens, really. Isn't he? I think he's yeah. But, it's, um, it's his contribution to literature that got him. But I'm saying it, it, the best. You can, uh, there are some great people in that, right? But mainly, Nicky Morgan. But mainly, it's, it's cronyism. Okay. Uh, and and it, it begs the question: Do we need? Do we need a second chamber? Possibly. But do we need that second chamber? Increasingly not. Increasingly not. And just with reference to the WAB, uh, it was obviously them trying to sort of flex their muscles. But like you were saying, this is not going to slow down the steam train that is Brexit. And it's it's happening, guys. It is happening. Um, It was also interestingly rejected by the three devolved assemblies. Probably also not that surprising either. Um, So that's the Welsh Assembly, Holyrood and Stormont. Um, Do we think... Do you do you think there's any any more significance attached to that? Um, no, again, no. It doesn't it doesn't matter. And um, I believe Steve Barclay wrote to the Welsh Assembly after they rejected it and basically said, "Look, we take into consideration what you think, but this government's pushing on with Brexit and we're getting it done." Um, so it, again, just kind of more grandstanding. It might annoy people in Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland who want their devolved bodies um, and legislative procedures to be kind of respected and held in a more sovereign way by the by the government in Westminster. But at the end of the day, uh, Boris has ruled supreme. Yeah, it really is remarkable. Once upon a time, this kind of stuff would have been worthy of like various like breaking news alerts and it would have been kind of occupying all of us. Whereas now these little blips happen because of that sweeping majority that Boris has in the Commons. It's all just a little bit it, it too little, too lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really did change the game. Yeah. Um, Trade, however, is about to get pretty tricky, Paul. And I know how you, how interested and kind of what close attention you're paying to the trade talks between well, the EU and the as, UK. As we all said, after you know the the, uh, the big Brexit decisions were made, it was going to become ever more interesting as the minutiae <laughs> of the trade deals were hammered out yeah. in smoky back rooms. Yeah, and the, you know. it's very sexy. I think Joe was saying we've got to avoid sounding like the business pages of a boring broadsheet, and I think that's a good endeavour for the rest of the year. We do indeed. We have to, we have to keep off the business pages. We've got right. to. But this is interesting because it's a telegraph splash, but I know, Joe, you've, um, this isn't new news to you as you're on the inside track in Brussels, um, but this is about uh, the EU are preparing to offer us an, in, an unusually harsh trade deal, they say, um, on much stricter terms than they offered Japan and Canada. So this is the suggestion that the EU could withhold MRAs, which are mutual recognition assessments, um, which allow the smooth movement of goods in key areas. So certain sectors are able to certify that their goods conform to EU standards. That's basically what that is. It's sexy, isn't okay. it? Um, and the in- EU is saying, incredibly, yes. And the EU is saying that there might be services and industries that we won't that won't be allowed to make those guarantees to other markets. It is it is kind of tedious, but it is a sign that the EU are preparing to play really hard ball with us if they don't think we're going to go for an ambitious trade deal. What do you think? One for Joe, I think. The man in the, man in the hot seat in Brussels. <laughs> Joe, Paul absolutely hates talking about this. I love it. <laughs> no. It's the only thing that no, silences no, him. I'm going to have a nibble on the vegan cake. Okay. Joe, I'm listening to you, but I'm also going to have some vegan cake. <laughs> Let's be realistic to start out. It's, um, it's all about negotiating kind of platforms and statuses. Currently, we've got Big Room, Boris Johnson and David Frost, his chief negotiator at one side, and the EU, Michel Barnier, is at the other side of the room. And they during the talks over the next 12 months, They've got to come and meet together somewhere and actually come come up with an arrangement. So this is just kind of hardline posturing from kind of Brussels saying, look, actually, if you don't conform with what we want in terms of level playing field, um, 
aligning to our rule book on goods and other standards and products, then we will give you a worse trade deal than the likes of Canada and Japan. But actually, we've known that for a while because Michel, uh, Michel Barnier, Ursula von der Leyen, Emmanuel Macron and Angela Merkel have all said that Britain, which literally sits on the borders of the European Union after Brexit, is a larger competitor. We, we do more trade with Europe than the likes of Japan and Canada. So they're going to want more stringent checks and controls to make sure that we can't out-compete them in the future. Right, okay. Mm. Do you think that sorry. You, sorry, do you think you could accuse the EU here of like just seeking to punish the UK for Brexit rather than trying to negotiate a deal that's in the best interest of their other members? I don't think it's it's a punishment as such. What it is is it actually represents that we are two separate bodies afterwards, and um, it is the harsh reality of the trade trade negotiation that is is a battle of interests. So they are going to look out for their own interests, which is their member states, and they feel that allowing British companies an advantage over their uh, domestic companies um, is, is bad for their their kind of opinion, where we are going to be of the fact that, no, we want British companies to thrive and we don't want to sign up to rule books. So it's, this is all negotiation posture. Look, let's, let, let's let the talks actually start and let's come up with some, uh, with some actually meet-in-the-middle kind of proposals mm. first. Interesting that they afforded those MRAs to Japan and Canada, but aren't thinking about offering them to the United Kingdom. It's because it's because, it's because, it's because Japan and Canada just don't do as much trade with with the with the EU as the UK would do. Mm. We are the EU is our biggest trading partner, where Japan and it, I don't know the figures off the top of my head, but it, it will be minuscule in, in comparison to yeah. what Britain would look to do. Yeah. The, the flip side of of that is that um, if they don't get this right. On the other side of the channel, Britain is a big market to lose for for all those nations involved. So, you know, um, well, especially the German car market. Because how are you going to buy your annual BMW or whatever you're on? <laughs> well, ser- seriously, this no, is like ten percent of BMW's output are on your driveway. <laughs> and, and as I said before, I think if they don't get it right, the BMWs will mm. be dodge charges. Will be yeah. importing cheaper cars from America. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting as well. Just, just um, you know, but the other, I was reading in the FT this morning that there are problems investment problems or or the um, bank loans to businesses uh, in the eu are at eight year low whereas in britain everything seems to be going reasonably well at the minute there was a story around yesterday about the um the imf in 2016 the boss of the imf saying that the brexit will result the result for britain uh, after brexit will be either very bad or very very bad and uh, the, the writer uh, was one Christine Lagarde, who now, of course, is oh, the Christine. Uh, but she's gone back on that. And, well, no, the IMF have gone back on that and said, "Yeah, sorry, we got that completely wrong." Project Fear being yeah. held to account. Project Fear, absolutely. Okay, so we think this is probably just a little bit of like rhetoric that you need to negotiate a good deal, and that it would be not in the EU's interest to punish Britain for us setting out on our own. I think Joe's right. No, I think. no absolutely. No, absolutely. What they're doing is what Theresa May didn't do. Yeah, quite. Yeah. Well, this is a pretty harmonious podcast so far, isn't it? Should we talk about the Labour leader (laughs) leadership contest? Jess Phillips. uh, Yeah, it's a lot of fun, actually. It's a lot of fun. Um, So Jess Phillips, who's the uh, MP for Birmingham Yardley, yesterday stood down. Yeah, I tipped her last week for the Labour leadership. You did. Uh, You're the kiss of death, though, aren't you? (laughs) I think if Paul Borden was backing you, you're in the wrong race. Yeah, so um, I've moved on to... uh, Wow. Lisa Nandy um, is is obviously um, she's doing a lot more press at the moment, and she's um, saying a lot of sensible things. She's a Labour reformer. She's she knows that 
they got the last election monumentally wrong and she's appealing to the kind of rump um, British voter rather than the extreme lefty nutters. Um, and, and this is all good and it's entirely reasonable and it's why she's at the bottom of the polls mm. uh, for the, as far as the Labour Party is concerned because uh, they're just not buying the idea that the, the Labour Party should be somehow electable or sensible yeah. or... or chime with the British electorate yeah. rather than their own sort of um, precious particular leftist views. It's a bit of a fall for, from Grace for Jess Phillips. I think everyone was incredibly excited about her running and she had, you know, the influx of lead, of new members to the party have been kind of, she's been kind of credited with driving that. Um, but it just kind of really unraveled. I think it went, it started off badly when she told Andrew Marr that she was going to campaign to re-enter the EU potentially. Yeah. Then she did that really awkward GMB interview where she had her hair in her mouth then she had a diabolical performance at the Hustings in Liverpool over the weekend. I think it was that that really... It was that, bad, that wasn't it? knocked her confidence completely. Um, and then she wrote that, I don't know if you read that kind of quite melancholy editorial for The Guardian where she kind of explained that she just, she admitted that she was had, she'd had a really bad Hustings. Me read The Guardian. <laughs> My apologies. I think, oh, I'm sorry, I know. Uh, I should have texted it to you and pretended it had come from The Spectator. She wrote, um, there's, this, there's this other newspaper called The Guardian. Okay, I um, That's that, a kind yeah. of left of centre. Focus, and she wrote this kind of really long editorial saying that she she admitted that she'd got the uh, hustings. She'd performed really badly at the hustings, yeah, that, that um, was definitely and true. that she yeah. was struggling with having to present herself as prime ministerial mm. rather than being kind of the firebrand Jess Phillips that we've all fallen in love with. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Uh, well, with the other um, two things, I think Jess Phillips has handed uh, a load more. Yeah, who benefits from her I, just uh, dropping out? Keir, I think Keir Starmer. Okay, because yeah. she was kind of seen it. She was sort of celebrated as like a bit of a. She was kind of mopping up the Blairite votes with yeah. him, wasn't she? Yeah, so, and so you think now they go to um, Keir Starmer. Do you think Lisa Nandy benefits from this at all, though? Because she kind of gets her, there's a bit more space for her in the race and she doesn't have to compete with Jess for sort of coverage and column inches. And- there is, um, it, I, I doubt it. I think it will come down to a two horse race and there'll be the, the leftists. Who's that? RLB. Will be the, the continuity Corbyn. Uh, yeah. Did which- you see she did an interview in his office? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, so she sat and did a whole interview where she, where the whole point was, I'm not a continuity candidate for Corbyn, but did it sitting in his office. Um, Which just felt like the optics of that were a bit off. Yeah, you know no, what absolutely. I mean? <laughs> well, the, the whole thing is, is um, I, I did, I, <laughs> this morning she's been saying that uh, Sakia should stand down because he has a penis. I don't Who said that? And, uh, um, Rebecca. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. He's, oh. got, he's got to go because he's a bloke and we don't want a bloke. Which oh. is uh, complicated. Well, Jess Phillips at the weekend also said that Keir Starmer should pass the mic, didn't she? There's this, there's this it, idea. It, yeah, it, it's quite shaming that the Labour Party have never had a woman leader. Absolutely, and all the other parties have. Mm. There's nothing there's, absolutely. But right now, do you want to be playing that? You want to be getting elected? What you do? Yeah. More than anything else. Joe, as the as a member of the Labour leadership, uh, no, you're not a member of the Labour leadership race at all. But you are a member of the Labour Party. How have you? What do you think about this? Jess going. Keir Starmer apparently has a penis. Rebecca Long Bailey um, has nothing to do with Jeremy Corbyn. What are you thinking about it all? Um, I, I agree with Paul. It's kind of shameful that, that he does have a piece. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Keir Starmer. Well, we don't know. Are we? <laughs> so, Hello, is that human resources? So leaving yours out of it, um, <laughs> Joe. Sorry, but no. What, what, what I um, what I uh, don't see necessary at the moment is for people to be playing gender politics here. Um, actually, they need to find the best candidate that can reverse a, a party that has seen itself decline massively 
um, in the space of a few a few months, or in fact, a year, two years since the last election. Um, so Keir Starmer looks like he's going to run away with it, and you'd think a lot of kind of uh, kind of Labour commentators and Labour observers have suggested that a lot of the second priority votes for Jess Phillips would then lend their support to Keir Starmer. So and he's now the bookmaker's favourite, massively odds on. Um, and still there, so it looks like he's going to take it over. And um, what I do think, though, that people like Jess Phillips and Lita Nandy have put, put together brilliant arguments, and they will make a the Labour Party a stronger backbench, uh, not backbench, a stronger frontbench team. Because you, you can have people like Lisa, Lisa Nandy um, has marshaled Andrew Marr over the last few days, and she slapped down Piers Morgan. That's something the Labour Party have not had since Jeremy Corbyn has come. Uh, yeah, no, we saw that this morning. That, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people were quite pleased yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah. She, no, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. it's true. I, I did notice this morning, though, um, and this might be um, kind of instructive, that Rebecca Longbailey is about to get the backing of Unite. And mm. uh, Unite's f- famously sharp political judgment, because I remember when they basically handed the leadership to Ed Miliband, and look, oh, yeah. <laughs> look how well that went. The man who can't um, eat a sandwich or walk off a stage indeed. without causing So, so the, the Unite thing might be, it might possibly swing it forward, but other than that, it's probably Keir's. Okay, and we should probably just mention that for good measure, Emily Thornbury, she goes up against Andrew Neil tonight. What do we think? Just two, um, two posh and a woman. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's really got nothing going for her, has she? Well, the, 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 the I'm dead working class and poor me thing is just, it's a, uh, it really, it, it's it, it, it shows how they misunderstand the people they are trying to attract. Because mm. if you are if you are northern and working class, and hello, I'm the closest we've got to that, right? Um, what you want is authenticity. That's mm. the only thing you have any time for: um, honesty and authenticity. And 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 the idea that um, Rebecca Longbailey today was saying, "I'm from Salford, me. No one messes with me." Like she was some sort of gangland hoodie off Shameless or something. It's just ridiculous, you know. Um, so if it was, it, my advice would be to all the candidates, just be authentic, be honest, you know. Be real. Yeah, be real. Yeah. Oh, Jess Phillips, I thought, was that. Whether you, whether you loved her or hated Certainly. her. You know, and that's she what wore she, a heart on her sleeve sort of thing. You know? I'll send you that link to that website that you've never visited The Guardian because that's what she says, that she's she just found it so hard to reconcile kind of her her, her kind of wanting to say it how she sees it and just be honest and then trying yeah. to reconcile that with, you know, people telling her, her advisors that she's got to say certain things and hit certain messaging points. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of flies in the face of authenticity. Yeah, yeah it does indeed. Um, okay. So we're calling it for Keir Starmer. So hopefully you'll, that'll be the kiss of death and it'll be a record <laughs> so, on Bailey. We're announcing his resignation <laughs> from the race in about an hour's time. Yeah, I think. Get down the bookies quick, everyone. <laughs> you are like the angel of death. <laughs> A little bit of trivia for you. You know the men who are overseeing the refurbishment of Big Ben? Not personally, but I, I understand that. No, you might, they might be at your forward, country club yes. or something. Because, <laughs> do you know, they only work three days a week and they, between them, their salary is half a million quid a year. Can you imagine? How many? So there's only two of them. They're, and they earn We're in the wrong business. You're not two, kidding. No, I'm completely... I don't joke. Three, yeah, they do three days work a week. Can you imagine? So half a million quid? A year. Between the two of them. Right. So they're on, on two, the so they're, so they're on 250 grand each sal. 
It's a niche industry, isn't it? What do they do after this job? Restoring towers. Where do they they go from here, you know? (laughs) Which which other... Leaning tower Historic tower needs a spell replacing. There are a few other dodgy towers. They they refurbish bells, I presume. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Well, maybe I don't know how far into sort of infrastructure and sort of maintenance they go. So, when all this thing about how can replacing the bell cost 500,000 quid... Yeah, it's them. It's their overtime, isn't it? Yeah, it was the overtime. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't an FOI, but it's close to an FOI. Uh, Just a a little bit of trivia there. Um, You talked about the North just then, Paul, which which segues nicely into, over the weekend, uh, the the government suggested that they might relocate your beloved House of Lords uh, to either the great city of York or the even finer city of Birmingham as a way of like redistributing power, uh, getting it out, getting our kind of concentration on the capital out, all about uh, regenerating the North. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, we don't want them. You don't want them. You don't want the unelected. You don't want the unelected. You keep your rubbish down, down in London, thanks. <laughs> um, I, I, on a serious note, I, I thought when the BBC um, moved to Salford, that was a brilliant move. Mm-hmm. Um, it massively regenerated that area around Salford and probably Manchester per se, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know a little bit brought some yeah extra clout to. To the northwest, definitely. Uh-huh. No, that was that was that wasn't um, you know showboating or political correctness or blah blah blah. That was a very good move. But you know that's that's jobs and work and stuff like that. We don't want yeah you know, some old gimmers just lounging around in the bloody ermine. <laughs> well, I wonder if there's sort um, of like pronouncing a, on our lives, whether that's in York or Birmingham. See a resurgent of like sort of like fur cleaning industries or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sort of, yeah, like sort of mink tailors. I don't know. <laughs> the minks are looking nervous north, <laughs> north of the border. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I didn't know if there was something kind of powerful in this there and that something about gesture politics sometimes does work and that the idea that, yeah, they were going to kind of move the entire second chamber to a uh, City maybe did kind of speak to Boris's promise to level what's it called, leveling up the north and the south. I didn't. I well, <laughs> it doesn't sound practical because they all because black rods. I know Joe's got some views on this. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? What? What part of sending some unelected kind of cronies who can claim three hundred and five pounds a day for this kind of turning up to have like a free course lunch and a bottle of wine? Yeah. Um, bring like brings power closer to the people. Like it's real like. Like, Boris has won a serious amount of votes in the North, and he has to do something serious to keep those votes. I think everyone can agree. And no way is some sort of silly gesture politics about moving, like, this kind of vast, like, kind of trove of kind of unelected people um, to York, to Birmingham, to Leeds, wherever you want to put it, uh, past the Watford Gap, is not moving it closer to power, because the elected individuals will still sit in Westminster. There's other ideas like holding cabinet meet holding cabinet meetings in the north or have like a tour of like so instead we're just gonna be end up paying for hotels and travel expenses for more people to go up north who we don't really want to pay for anyway, according to our polls. So you don't think that relocating kind of the occasional cabinet meeting to a sort of you're town not, hall... You're not relocating... Right, with the Lords, you're not relocating any political power. You're just relocating an old people's Well, we've home, seen it well, this really? week. They've, you know, defeated the common... They've defeated the WAB five times. But, I mean, I know no one's listening. You don't care about... <laughs> just because you're not they paying haven't. attention. That's the point. Yeah. He's just having some water for the benefit of the tape. He's getting very worked up um, about this. No, no, no. I just think... They, um, uh, uh, with Joe, uh, you know, uh, and it goes back to what I was saying before. People in the north don't like getting fobbed off by 
you know, people from London. And it would look a little bit like, oh, we might pop up once every couple of months and never, you know. Like a relative yeah, that you don't really want to see. Absolutely, completely, yeah. No? Yeah. Okay, so, we, so we're not interested. Stick no, it, I Boris. I don't think we're interested. No. Okay. Um, oh, right. Okay. I, I, thought, I thought you'd be kind of up for this, though. I thought, I, I no, thought it was... No, you can keep your rubbish down there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, would you like HS2, darling? Uh it's, it's going to cost probably 106 billion quid, the new revised figure. It, I, it was interesting. We just ran a story half an hour ago. The workforce in HS2 have been warned their jobs are not secure, um. which suggests that behind the scenes um, there may be movement already afoot to knock this kind of mad project on the on the head. Okay, so you're calling it a mad project. It and is a bit, yeah. Do you think it's mad because it's just sort of badly managed, really expensive, it's, that that it's, kind of thing, or do you think it's just not really answering the problem that the North not, has in the North? Tell um, us about it up there. The, I mean, I, I, I'm all ears. You went for the first time about yeah. last year, didn't you? Oh, it was. I went to Harrogate. I went to Harrogate. It was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Finest people I've ever known. Best uh, rosé. Well, absolutely. But in in the North, you you go you go side to side, not up and down. If you want to go down to London, you get on the West Coast or the East Coast Main Line. Both of which will get you there in two and a half hours. Okay. Right, which is not. Nightmarishly awful. That's my commute to work. <laughs> I know, you're coping with it what, really well. <laughs> what yeah. the what the problem is in the north, and it kind of always has been, is the is the east west lines, which a lot of which were trashed in the Beecham report in the sixties, mm. and, and the lines were destroyed completely, so they could never be reopened. But there is talk of reopening those lines. I think the line into Fleetwood, where I was a few weeks ago, um, they're looking at seriously reopening that. Line. Okay. And it's, it's about it's about more local connectivity, you know, um, get for, get out of Preston, get to Leeds, that sort of thing. Rather than just making Rather it easy for everyone to London get down to London and London look at the quicker. Queen's House or whatever. Which Can't is, visit the know, House of Lords. <laughs> talking, yeah. Not um, don't see the bells because the blokes run their day no. off. <laughs> so I think if there's going to be investment in transport infrastructure, it's a, a much more, it will be more, more useful at a more local level to make the trains run. Uh, around the north better mm. rather than have this monolith you know massive um hundred billion train line down to that london yeah not, that not that london. Bothered, you know um are you concerned though that so far the sort of offers of peace to sort of decentralize power and level up the north and the south has been to have the house of lords and hs2 are you concerned that this government might be fobbing off your the your people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think boris is going to have to raise his game joe what's your thoughts yeah and what do you want to see instead I am a, a fan of high-speed train networks. Um, Europe is full of them. And living on the continent, it's very handy to be able to nip hundreds of miles in the space of an hour because uh, you're on fast trains. Um, we need HS2. We need this extra routes that Paul are talking about. But what we also need is we need to convince businesses that it's wise to move away from London and move their operations to Birmingham, to Leeds, uh, to Liverpool, to Manchester, to Newcastle, and that they are still, and that requires that connectivity. But a hundred billion pound train line is not going to just solve it. We're then going to have to build these brilliant business parks, help refurbish offices, and convince people that it's worth their time relocating jobs and actually taking big companies outside of the city, outside of London, outside the city of London, um, to make it worthwhile. Because if not, it's just going to end up as commuter routes. London's going to become more crowded, and people from the north are just going to go to London to work rather than work coming for them. Yeah, the commuter belt will just expand northwards, won't it? You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, more, the more viable you make a commuter belt, or the commuting, which HS2 does, because it's Birmingham to London in an hour, yeah. you can get from South End to London in an hour. And that's, South End is considered commuter town. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. An hour? That's not going to do Birmingham a favour. 
<laughs> Paul, well, yes. Paul laughs at your hour. Um, well, you guys need to. Well, you need to kind of hold Boris's feet to the fire then, because so far, yeah, the only gestures that he's made is that you can have um, a bunch of old cronies and uh, and, a, and a train line that you don't want. I think that's absolutely spot on. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm, the, um, I stand with you. Right. Well, let's <laughs> let's see a bit more of the Northern Powerhouse. Yeah. And uh, not what everyone in the North actually calls it, which is a Northern House. <laughs> Oh, we can't. We mustn't say that word. We can upset the advertisers. They're very, very sceptical. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's to be fair, that was George Osborne's original idea. So let's see if Boris can uh, come up with something better. Yeah, with something better. Someone else that's coming up with something better are the yeah. Lib Dems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who are they again? Yeah, Just do you remember? Refresh they, my memory. Um, so they also don't have a leader at the moment. Um, after you remember, Joe Swinson kind of I, unceremoniously I, lost her job uh, in do, December's election. But, do you know? I saw the I saw Joe's a piece about Joe Swinson in one of the papers this morning. And I just thought, I vaguely remember her. Oh, and how quickly the, the 15 minutes of her fame was just yeah. gone like that, you know. Yeah, I wonder she's what she's doing She's almost erased from history now. Yeah, I wonder what she's doing. Apparently yeah. on the, um, I think I read the same profile as you, on the night that she lost her job, um, she was fine, but she, she just said that she was worried that her mum and her sister would be upset, which I thought was actually quite touching and quite sad. Um, so anyway, they're not getting in, they're not going to, they're in no rush, the Lib Dems, and they're going to start, they're going to announce their new leader in July, so still time for you to apply, Paul and Joe. Um, and so far, the only candidate that's thrown their name into the ring is Weera Hobhouse, who is the MP for Bath. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on Whit. No? Oh, I, I, I thought you guys did your research. No, I had a quick look this morning. Yeah. Um, she was on Sky for about three seconds, which yeah. um, I, even I was on it for longer. Um, and <laughs> oh, shameless name dropper. She said, get she, out. All she said was she wanted to be part of a bigger debate. I mean, they've got to get they've got to get it together at some point. Surely, there's a hundred thousand Lib Dem members who'll vote in this um, who'll vote in this leadership election when it ever happens. What seems uh, like, what remarkable, <laughs> laughable, yeah. is that not many weeks ago uh, we and a lot of the political pundits were sat here saying the Lib Dems are going to be the second yeah. party in Britain, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Not just to the bunch of. Well-meaning, nice old grandmas and granddads. <laughs> Fleece wearers, yeah. yeah, yeah. And now they haven't got a leader, and no one cares. I can't. You guys don't even. You haven't even done your research. No, no I, I've done it. MP for Bath made the headlines yeah. in 2018 we're when a... she successfully campaigned to ban upskirting. There's yeah, well, that's fact. that's important. Right? Well, well, that we'll, is... we'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is important. Um, <clears throat> that, is, that is her claim to fame. Yeah, her claim to fame, which is super great. Yeah, but yeah. they probably need to develop a little bit more than that. Uh, yeah, as a policy. Um, it's great but you're gonna have to expand on you've that. got to we've yeah. got to go further yeah, yeah, yeah. um but yeah just kind of yeah like you were saying that like we'd have sat here not long ago yeah. talking about you know yeah. just that she could that joe swinson could be forming a government yeah. of oh, national unity yeah. with and um, but now yeah. she hasn't got a job well, and tesco's um, checking out she's in, she's in tesco's <laughs> <laughs> oh she's in the yeah. she goes to waitrose oh you're right of course yeah or a farmer's yeah whole whole foods or something I think that's kind of it for the week. I think we've wrapped pretty nicely there. Uh, yeah, Is we've not mentioned th- the Royals, have we? Or oh, Lawrence we have Fox, them. probably as well, though. Yeah, on both I think Lawrence Fox has been mentioned enough. Yeah, um, what did you think about um, the, the outcome of Meghan and Harry? Hard Mexit. Um, I think in a year's time, well, two things. One, it could go either way. Right? It, somebody tweeted very cleverly this morning uh, that going, Paul going, <laughs> going to going to America to escape. Um, celebrity obsession and the paparazzi is like going to Venezuela to ex- to escape Corbynism. 
if you think it's bad <laughs> over here, on Twitter. if you oh think it's bad God. over here, yeah. just wait. I mean, all mm. bets are off over there. Mm. But it's a different ball game altogether. Yeah. Okay, no. so you think maybe not the the sanctuary for intrusion that they. It's so completely not going to be. We might vaguely get bored with them, but the Americans will just lap them up and want mm. every tiny minutiae of their lives. Yeah. And it'll be all over the front of people and, um, you know, all the various... Um, Last week you said that we would lose some sparkle by losing them. And do you stand by that? Cause I, yeah, I, I do. I do. I absolutely do. If you, if you look at the royal family right now, they were head and shoulders. It's a sort of... the A-list and they were, you know, they were... They were. I don't, want to, I don't want to say this in a majority sense, but they were the celebrities of the royal family. Mm, yeah, they might not have been the grafters. Um, <laughs> no, but you're rarely both. One's rarely both. <laughs> oh, indeed, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a fairly sensible outcome. It shows uh, we can draw lots of comparisons to Brexit. There were working parties, and there was declarations drawn up. There was hard exits and and so and such. But uh, at the end of the day, look, they're paying two and a half million pounds back for a cottage at Frogmore and the renovations they had on that. Um, so it shows they're serious. They do want. They did want to leave, and they're happy to do that. Like Harry, I think, kind of come out and said, "No, he's sad. He'd like to have played a more role." But like the guy, the guy's entitled to a life if he wants to, and I'm sure he's going to continue everything that I said was brilliant about him last week with his charity work. And um, I just hope that people continue to support him on the positives and I just let him get on with his life. Agree. When I, he wants I, to uh, shut the curtains. I deeply hope that they do not trade on the Sussex Royal. Um, either that as a trademark or, or, you know, their royal connection, because I think the British public will turn on them pretty quickly if they do that. If they w- if they carry on working hard, if um, Harry carries on, you know, doing his charity stuff, Meghan maybe goes back to acting. Who knows? Then then, good luck, crack on. Yeah. But I think if they start coming the sort of um, or monetizing their royalty, I think we'll take a very dim view of that. And I think yeah, we should. it's but, tricky. It's yeah. they yeah they've they've. They've sort of stage one. They've accomplished, but yeah, this yeah. is this is not yeah. an easy. They've got to. It's a very narrow. Yeah. Yeah. What's the word? What am I trying to say? It's a tightrope. Really, they've got to walk. Isn't it is it? a tightrope. Yeah. But I guess we're all walking our own tightrope <laughs> in one way or the other, aren't we, Paul? Yeah. Um, that was a lovely podcast. Can we have it was cake like a tea now? party. Yes, you, you can have cake. Okay. Thanks for putting filling it with animal products. <laughs> Okay. I'm very grateful to you. Um, and no, I think you must put a picture on the on the website I will. because there I will. are fans. I took a picture last night. When yeah. it was in slightly better shape because it hadn't gone the uh, 150 miles from London to Brighton or whatever it is. <laughs> Same as you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Almost certainly true. Same as said about you. Um, okay, so uh, we'll reconvene this time next we week will. with or without catering. Joe, we'll speak to you then as well. Yes, by then we'll be in the European Parliament. We'll we be will. waiting for MEP. We'll be saying the goodbye. The Commons. It'll be the MEP's the eve of party night, won't it? Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Oh, so it maybe next week we dress party, party outfits. <laughs> Come, um, yeah, a patriotic outfit. Joe can do the bunting. Um, okay. Paul can do the bunting. I'll do a Done. patriotic outfit. Yeah, party, party, party house. We, exactly. <laughs> all round, yeah. That's what we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Joe, it's been an honour and a privilege. Paul, same to you. I will see we'll you next week. Ta-ra, gang. Well done for making it to the end of an episode of Brexit, The Final Countdown. If you're still enjoying The Countdown, you can subscribe for free. And if you're really enjoying The Countdown, you can also leave us a review.